You are listening to a podcast from Classic City Church. We're glad you've joined us. Our services are held at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 595 Prince Avenue in the Piedmont Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.classiccity.org. This is a sermon from Pastor Lee Mason. Start a new series uh, for the next few weeks we're going to do, and we're calling it Uniquely Gifted and Specifically Stationed. And it really comes from, really from our book that Lisa was telling you about in our announcements, but our Classic City sort of orientation book. Um, and one of our core values, we have about seven of them, but one of them that is very important, I think it's very important to learn what we mean by this, but one of them says that we believe every believer, every Christian, is uniquely gifted and specifically stationed to serve God in ministry. Every one of you. You're uniquely gifted. You're specifically stationed to serve God in ministry. And I think what that, I really love that, that line because it really speaks to a lot of things that Jesus taught about how God desires to use you and I to fulfill his purposes, how he intends to use us to reach people and to make a difference and to spread the gospel. Now, let's think about those first two things. What does it mean when we say you are uniquely gifted? You are uniquely gifted. Well, it simply means this. One is you are a collection of different things. One is your collection of talents and gifts. There's certain talents and certain gifts and certain abilities you have that are just different than than me or somebody else. You have certain proclivities. There's certain aspects of your personality uh, that are different than other people. You've had certain experiences. You've had certain triumphs in your life, and you've had certain pains and struggles in your life. And, and you and I are shaped by all those things, but all the, the collection of those things gives us all a unique shape that makes us uniquely gifted, uniquely different. That's really who we are. And you think about what you are. What are you right now? Now, a lot of you are students. You are a college student. You might be a business major. You might be an education major. There are, there are what's about you that are, that are unique and, and are particular. Uh, some of us here are, uh, have been parents. That's a real exciting job. You're a parent, and some of you are parents. Some of you are businessmen and business people. Some of you are um, school teachers and, and all kind of things, and, and that's what you are. You may be a resident of a certain neighborhood. You may have certain uniquenesses about you. There, there are, there's who you are, and there's what you are, and then there's where you are. And that's where it gets down to being specifically stationed. You know, where do you live? Where do you play? Where do you work? Where do you spend your time? What pool, what environment, what people group do you do that? And there's kind of an interesting thought. I want to try to, hopefully through this series, I'm going to try to drive this thought through this whole series because I think it's such an important thing to get. But that's it. But if, if you and I will discover this, we will discover why we are. We discover why we are. 
as God uses who we are and what we are, where we are. You're uniquely gifted as who you are, as what you are. And you are specifically stationed. That's where you are. To spread the gospel, to serve God in ministry, to make a difference, to make an impact. Let me show you a couple ways that Jesus taught this. One is in, in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is, of course, the, the, it's a part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's a really important part of the Bible. It's where Jesus taught ethics. He taught how to be the people he wanted us to be. Uh, in Jesus' day, there was a, um, something stirring in the hearts of the Jewish people who were his people, who he was preaching to, God's people. And they were really upset because these pagans had come in and taken over their country. These Roman pagans had taken over and were imposing things on them. And they didn't like their secular ideas. And they were all upset about this. And Jesus is telling these guys in this sermon, one point he's saying, look, I am not here as the Messiah to conquer people that don't believe. I'm here to win people that don't believe. We're not here to conquer them. We're here to win them. And he started talking about how to live your life in a way that wins people, that doesn't conquer people, that doesn't start fights and, and build walls, but it actually builds bridges and, and wins people over. And that's what he's going through. And so early in this sermon, which is three chapters long, he begins to tell God's people, the Jewish people he's preaching to, thousands of them, who they are. And he says this, and it's a very, uh, probably fairly well-known verse. It's in verse 13. He helps us understand ourselves by two designations. One is, verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And so they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So here's what Jesus is doing. He's talking to these people, the Jewish people, and saying, listen, this is who we are. This is who God intends us to be. And I want you to think of yourself in being something in two, two metaphors. One is... He tells them, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, in Judaism, this idea of salt comes up about three times, and it talks particularly about the covenant they had with God. It's in the book of Leviticus, the book of Numbers. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 13 that their covenant with God is called a covenant of salt. And it meant that their covenant, there was, there was moral requirements. There was an a, a asking of integrity and of purity and of holiness and of commitment out of the people toward God. It just, and when he says, you are the salt of the earth, he says, hey, you're the people who are covenanted with God. You're the people who are committed to live a life that's pure and that is upright and who, that has integrity. That's what you're supposed to be doing. 
That's how you're supposed to be living. You're the salt of the earth. And if you stop being that, he says in verse 3, you know what he says? You're, you're good for nothing. You're literally good for nothing. And what that says to you and me is that you and I as, as believers, as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. That our lives are supposed to be marked by purity and by integrity. And, he's, and what Jesus is saying is if you lose that, if you compromise that, yeah, you're really good for nothing. You're no good. And then after that, he keeps this description up, so salt of the earth. But then he says something else. He says, you're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. And he says, you know, if you have a city built on a hill, it can't be hidden. If you light a lamp, you don't stick a lamp under a table. You put a lamp someplace high where the light will spread. And so what Jesus is saying here is that he says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. He's not saying brag about every time you go visit a homeless shelter. But what he is saying is live your life. Live a life dedicated to God around people who aren't doing that. Don't just live your Christian life in a huddle or in a closet. Live it around others. Be the salt of the earth, but be it in an environment of people who aren't Christian. Be willing to do that. Find pockets to, to live your life in that where people aren't all Christian and comfortable and protecting of your faith. Be both. Salt of the earth and the light of the world. And what Jesus is, is teaching here is that as we are being the salt of the earth, as we are living it, living a life of integrity, living a life of purity, living a life that's generous, thoughtful, uh, that cares around a world that is broken, it'll make an impact. It'll make a difference. That's how the gospel spreads. You know, it's a really interesting pattern you see in the Bible. When, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in the Garden of Eden. And we, 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 I think sometimes have to understand kind of what this probably looked like. The planet Earth was not all perfect and great. But God made this part of the Earth that was fabulous called Eden. And he put a man and he put a woman in there. And he said, you guys multiply. And then he says, go out and dominate the Earth. To have dominion over the Earth. Make this whole planet look like what's in here. Take this beautiful culture of this garden. Take what's here. A God that walks with you and, and the, the, the wonderful relationship you have with your wife and the splendor of it. Take this beauty and this wonder of this culture and expand it. Fill the whole earth with it. And of course, you know, they failed and they sinned. And when God made Israel and brought them out through Abraham and through Moses and they had their exodus out of slavery under the leadership of Moses and they came and they, under Joshua's leadership, conquered a territory, a physical geographical territory known as Israel. God's intention was to give them a law and give them a way of government that other nations would look at it and go, shoot, they got their act together. And they would say, yeah, it's because our God is the greatest God. He's the only God there is. And, they, and it was, their example was to convert and really win the nations. And the, again, 
they failed at it. So what Jesus does is he comes to individual believers. He's going to his kingdom a new way. He's going to, by the power of the gospel, forgive and cleanse individual people. He's going to fill them and empower them with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to put them in secular environments in this world to be the light and the salt and to demonstrate his kingdom in a way that is persuasive and wins people to Christ. And this is God's will for every one of our lives. And this is how the kingdom of God spreads. Let me, let me show you another verse here. Look at Matthew chapter 13. One verse. Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. A few verses over, if you have a Bible, about four pages over. Verse 33 of Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told them another parable. Here's what he said. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of dough until it worked all through the dough. Now, this is a common practice back in those days. If you wanted to, the bread to leaven up, you wanted the bread to, to rise and be like thick, fluffy bread, here's how you'd do it. You would take a, you would get your dough all, you'd get a big thing of dough and you'd make it up and you'd get it all, uh, all together. But then you would take like a small handful of what they called Leaven. And leaven was just old, rotting dough. Rotting dough. Bad, spoiled dough. And you'd take that dough that had rotted and it had bacteria in it and it was, you know, being, and you'd take the bad dough and you would actually work it into the dough you just made. You'd work it all into it. You'd knead it and you'd work it and you'd get it all going. And what would happen is the bacteria would spread all throughout that dough. And what bacteria do, this, is, this may change your eating habits a little bit, but it would, it would go and it would, um, as it spread, it would eat the bread and then it would basically pass gas. That's what causes bread to rise. You're not probably going to eat a sandwich after church today after that. But that's really what it is. It just causes it to rise and it would spread. But the idea here is that a little bit of leaven, just a small amount, worked through the whole dough, would spread everywhere. And this is what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. It's like taking a little bit of something, putting it in an environment and working it, Mixing it through the environment. Let me illustrate this to you a different way. Casey, you got a second up here. Let me show you this. This is a pitcher of water. Everybody can see this? Casey, wonderful. <laughs> it's a pitcher of water. Now we're going to do something. We're going to put some green dye in it. Just a very little bit. Look, it's not a much, very little. But wait, you get it and you mix it. And what does it do? Whole thing becomes green, right? Thank you, Casey. Awesome job. There. See... <laughs> You don't get this everywhere. That is, that literally is what Jesus intends the kingdom of God to be like. Like a pitcher of water that somebody put some green dye in. And then what Jesus said in that story, the, the woman who would be depictive of God, 
mixes it all throughout until the whole thing is changed. The whole thing's changed. Now, this is what God wants to do in our lives. He's the mixer. He's the one that comes in and wants to get the ingredients, wants to get the, what's potent in that dye, what's alive in that leaven to spread out. And he wants what's potent, what's powerful, and what's dynamic, his presence in us, and what's alive, his life in us to get involved with groups of people that don't know him and to spread it and to move it around. And, and he uses this great word, the idea of mixing. You know, Matthew is, is, a, is written both these as a really interesting story. He was a tax collector. And you can read about how he came to Christ in chapter 9 of his gospel. It's a real quick story. It's in verse 9 through 13. You don't have to turn there. But, but what happens is Matthew is at his tax gathering table, and Jesus is doing all this stuff, doing his miracles. He's killing it. And he comes up to Matthew And he tells him, follow me. Now, what's interesting, Matthew's profession, being a tax collector, was very lucrative. And it was very uh, uh, unscrupulous at the same time. So he made a lot of money doing something wrong. And Jesus came up to him and said, follow me. Now, when Matthew decides to follow Jesus, unlike the other disciples, he cannot go back to being a tax collector. His days of all this money, all this way, it's, it's all over. And he leaves it to follow Jesus. And he does something really cool that night. Matthew, after he does this, that night he throws a big dinner and invites all his, his wild friends, all of them. There's tax gatherers, there's prostitutes, there's all these kind of people around. And Jesus is there with him. And Jesus, it's really cool. He makes note of that. Matthew is fascinated how Jesus could just mix with this crowd. He just mixed with them. He liked them. He was there for them. He's, he's almost like he existed for them. And he mixed with them. And Matthew saw that. And I bet he was just struck by it. Man, what a cool guy Jesus is. That's, that's the way this should happen. You, you get involved with people. And you influence them. And you, you, you work it around. And you... You make a difference. And this is what God wants to do in your life, in my life, in every one of our lives. We are uniquely gifted. And we are specifically stationed to serve God in ministry. You and I discover who we are as God uses what we are why we are to impact where we are. And I've seen this work a lot in so many different ways in so many different places. I, I remember my own life when I was a senior in high school. Uh, my first job, I was uh, um, all through high school, I played basketball, so I never had a job. And when basketball season was over, my parents said, you got to get a job, young man. So I, I had to go out and get a job. And I got a job with a friend of ours, and he had a, a sort of a vegetable fruits store over on Hawthorne. We called it the Vegetable Garden, real creative name. And um, 
he also owned a, a, a big veggie and food distribu- distribution place. So we just, he just brought some of those in there, and we got a store going. And I was, the, I, was the whole, I was the stock boy. There was a cashier, and there was me. And so I worked like a dog. I never worked before in my life, and I hated it. And I was like, oh, man. And you know, my dad wouldn't let me quit, and, which was a great thing to do, and uh, good parenting. And uh, he, nothing's going to be easy. He kind of gave me all that lecture, and it was true. So I stayed with it as a teenager. And... Um, and I got, but during it, I, I, there was a couple guys I met. One was a, uh, a guy named Robert. He was in a fraternity here, very large fraternity. He was a senior. And um, we, got, we got to be friends, and he kind of wanted me to come over to his house and, and, and get in his thing. And I began to tell him, well, you know, I'm a Christian, and I began to share the gospel with him. And we, began, we developed a relationship there. And I remember one day Robert came into work, and he said, hey, I just want to tell you, Last night, I'd, been a, I'd made a commitment to the Lord when I was at church camp years ago. I'm not living it. Last night, I decided to give my life to, back to Christ. And he, and he began to really tell how just my little 17-year-old boy influence over him, a really cool college kid, made a difference. And then there was another guy there, a guy named Paul. And uh, he was from a real rough background. Uh, he was a heroin addict. He was into doing a lot of drugs, and he would do heroin with his friends, and they'd read the book of Revelation. That's a really interesting combination. And so he would talk. He found out I was thinking of being a preacher. He was so excited because he had all these thoughts from the book of Revelation that had come into him. And so we got to get involved with Paul's life. And, and I remember one time uh, just sharing with Paul and, you know, I remember one time taking him to, the, to a pizza place for lunch, and he was going through a tough time and just really sharing the gospel with him. And right there in that pizza place, Paul gave his life to Jesus. Right there. I'm a simple little 17-year-old boy. These are grown men, older men. But I'm there. I am leaven. I am something God put in the dough and mixed to make a difference. My mother-in-law, Carol, had a real challenging background in their personal life as a young woman. Went through more than she ever should have. When she was a young mom with raising Lisa and raising Mike, she started going to a Bible study. And through it, she met Christ. She got born again. And as a Christian, she began to work through things she had been through. She led her daughter to Christ. She led her son to Christ. She led her stepmom to Christ. That when she died, died knowing she knew Jesus and knew the Lord. She led her mom to Christ. She led half her brothers and sisters to Christ. One of them, Steve, where are you at? Steve, are you here today? He's in our church. Trust me, he is in our church. I don't know why he's not here at church today. He's a good church member. He was affected. But she's just one person in in an immensely dysfunctional family. Immensely. Who hears the gospel, who gets saved but who's like a little leaven, who's like a little green dye poured in the pitcher, who begins to mix, and she begins to change what her family's all about. Remember when I was a campus minister here, there was a young man that was on the football team I was doing some Bible studies with, a guy who was a cornerback, and he uh, was a starter his junior year and was getting ready to go into his senior year, and he really went from being sort of a, he was kind of religious and sort of whatever, but kind of had his girls and other stuff on the side. And he really had a moment 
where he got really right with God. He really got honest with himself and really committed his life to Jesus and began to just want to affect his team. And we began to do a Bible study that fall with his, with his team. And we started out with a handful of guys, and it grew, and it grew. And, and I kid you not, there were over 40 football players every week at this Bible study that Goofy I was leading. And every week, three, four, five of them were coming to Christ. I remember one time, uh, one of the running backs got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit on a Friday, Thursday and a Friday. The next Saturday, the next day, Georgia played Ole Miss, and he had 183 yards rushing, scored three touchdowns, was player of the game, and they interviewed him afterwards, and he just said, it's just Jesus. He just said something about Jesus over the end. It was just really hilarious to see. But God did something very powerful through that one guy, one guy, one lump of leaven mixed in with the dough, and it spread, and it spread. I remember a few years later, Lisa was with a gymnast. We had the great gymnastics team back then, and one girl came to faith in Christ, but then through her, literally over half the team came to know the Lord within a year. I remember like a couple years ago here at church, there was a young man came up to me after church. He was in a fraternity. He'd gotten saved. He wanted to get baptized. He'd started a Bible study. I mean, this fraternity doesn't have Bible studies. This is a, they've tried for years to crack this, this nut, and it didn't crack. But he got saved, and he started a Bible study in his fraternity. Within a few weeks, he had 20 to 30 guys come into it. He would literally show me text where group text with the whole fraternity. They would talk about where are you going to get drugs, where are you going to get this tonight and that tonight and do this tonight. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be at Bible study. There was literally <laughs> in the midst of, of, of guys talking about, you know, the, the different drug things they were going to do and the different parties and the other stuff. In the midst of all this stuff, there was now, oh, let's make Bible study. Hey, Bible study was great last night. It was a powerful thing because a little leaven got in a lump of dough and something powerful happened. I remember when I was doing young adult ministry in Atlanta, there was a guy that came to our Bible study and he came to Christ, he, he and his wife, and he was in sound. He knew our work, got to know our worship leader because of some sound things they had done together. And he talked to him, and he got interested, and he came, and he got born again, gave his life to Christ. And one of the, uh, this is going to be really interesting, one of the sound uh, jobs he had was for a very big, uh, well-known strip club, gentleman's club in Atlanta. And, he was, and, and while doing it, he met a girl who was doing their books who he ended up getting married to. So this guy got saved. He, he's, his wife is the accountant for this big strip club downtown. And so he, get, he befriends our worship leader. And they began to, there was two guys that were like in a, one of the big alternative bands that had gotten saved through this guy's testimony. And they started doing a Bible study together with rock and roll guys and strippers. And people were coming to Christ. A little leaven 
got in the lump and just began to spread. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what your life can be like. So you and I are surrounded by, and we're involved in people groups, maybe as a parent, maybe as a, as a business person, maybe as a neighbor in your neighborhood. As a, as a college student, there's immense opportunities in your dorm and with your athletic team or with your fraternity or sorority or, or whatever it is where, where you can be, where, where you can literally be like some dye God pours into a pitcher of water and mixes and spreads and changes the whole thing. God desires to do that in our life. That's how. That's what Jesus said the kingdom of God's like. It's like something that spreads like this. Something that's alive, something that's potent, gets involved in those circles of people, those circles of beautiful, fabulous people that don't know Christ. And it spreads. It mixes and it spreads. And here's what God's calling you and I to do. To be people who are uniquely gifted and specifically stationed to serve God in ministry. It's for you and I to find out what is my lump of dough? What is my lump of dough? What is my clear pitcher of water that God wants to put me into and mix me with? That through those relationships and through my life and my faithful demonstration of his kingdom, the gospel was spread. The gospel was spread. That's what the kingdom of God's like. That's what it means to be uniquely gifted, specifically stationed to serve God in ministry. That is discovering why you are. As God uses you, as God uses what you are and who you are to reach where you are. That's a beautiful thing. Let's, let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Classic City Church. We hope that together we can honor the greatness of Jesus by growing spiritually, living authentically, and participating in His purposes. For more information or more sermons from Classic City Church, please visit www.classiccity.org.